the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Feast of the Annunciation that we are celebrating tonight is one of the twelve major feasts of the church. Twelve feasts that celebrate twelve events in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very real events in the life of our Lord Jesus Christ of such critical importance to our salvation. That the church elevates these twelve feasts above all other remembrances throughout the year. And this feast, the Feast of the Annunciation, is one of those most blessed events. Why? Why is the Feast of the Annunciation one of those 12 major feasts? I want to let St. Leo the Great, Bishop of Rome in the mid-4th century, he preached a sermon on this very day about the Annunciation. I'm going to share just a bit of that sermon, and I think you'll begin to see why this is one of the 12 major feasts of the church. Here's what St. Leo the Great preached in the mid-4th century, mid-5th century. God is he whose nature is goodness, whose will is power, and whose work is mercy. Wherefore, at the beginning of the world, as soon as the devil's hatred had mortally poisoned mankind with the venom of his envy, this almighty and merciful God even then foretold these remedies which his mercy had foreordained for our healing. At that time, he bade the serpent know that there was to be a seed of the woman who yet should crush the prideful swelling of his pestilent head. I love that. This seed was none other than Christ to come in the flesh, even God and man in one person, who should be born of the virgin and by his virgin birth should condemn the seducer. The devil rejoiced that he, by his artful cunning, so deceived man as to make him lose the gifts of God and forfeit the privilege of his eternal life. But dearly beloved, the unchangeable God, whose will cannot be balked of its loving kindness, in the dispensation of his own secret counsel, had already provided a mysterious way for carrying out his original purpose for the goodness of man. So it was that mankind, which had been led into sin by the wicked craft of the devil, was not suffered to perish and frustrate that gracious purpose of God. In other words, this is one of the twelve major feasts of the church because this moment, this event, the annunciation of Gabriel coming to Mary, the Blessed Virgin Mary offering herself for use of God, and her being impregnated by the Holy Spirit in this incredible event. In this very moment, the one who was foretold from just after the fall, Christ our God, the lover of mankind, who had set himself by the will of God to come and crush the head of our deceiver, breaking the bondage for us and the wages of sin of death, casting it away. He is now come. And it's celebrated every year on March 25th. Why? What's nine months down the road from March 25th? The birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our focus? On this blessed evening, 
What's to be our focus on the Feast of Annunciation this year? For our salvation, but even more, for the salvation of those who come in contact with us on a daily basis. I believe it's this. You've heard me say many times that when we look upon the Blessed Virgin Mary, when we consider who she is, how she lived, and all that we know through Holy Scripture and all that the church has, teaching, has taught us, when we consider the Blessed Virgin Mary, when we look at her, what do we see? Ourselves. To gaze upon the Blessed Virgin Mary is to gaze upon Christ's Holy Church, of which each of you are living stones filled with Christ's Holy Spirit. So let's look at her, at this Annunciation, and see ourselves. In the Gospel of St. Luke in chapter 1, that's where we are given the event of the Annunciation. The archangel Gabriel sent from God to heaven directly to the Blessed Virgin Mary. He comes to her. And we hear first the very beginning words of the Angelus Prayer that we pray very often. The angel says, Hail Mary, full of grace. First things first, Mary, you are full of grace. You are the one prepared by God and given all the grace that you need to receive God himself into your precious it doesn't say, Hail Mary, you will be filled with grace. It says, Hail Mary, full of grace. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among all women. And then the archangel Gabriel proceeds to tell the Blessed Virgin of the very will of God. That the Holy Spirit will come upon you. That real phrase in the language is that Holy Spirit will hover over you. Picture the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit hovering over the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary in the exact same fashion that the Holy Spirit in Genesis, we're told, hovered over the waters of an uncreated world. And by the hovering of the Holy Spirit, the voice of the Word of God, who was Jesus Christ Himself, spoke creation into existence through that void, into that void, and all came to life. So it was that the Archangel Gabriel is saying the Holy Spirit will hover over you. And in you will come Christ our God, the salvation of the world. And it's the posture of the Blessed Virgin Mary. It's her posture that we want to look very closely at. How does she respond to this blessed and holy announcement of the Archangel Gabriel, which is really the mouth of God coming? We need to see her posture and become what we see. Her posture is this. What does she say in response? And notice that in her words is the very posture of her heart. What does she say? Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, in other words, look upon me, Lord. I am offering myself to just what you have said. I believe that your ways and your words are life. Therefore, I am your handmaid. Let it be perfectly like you said in me and through me. Please try to see what's in this blessed woman's heart. Because when I look at this, I see an absolute and utter selflessness. 
I see an incredibly beautiful humility that bends itself to the will of God. But it goes further. What that humility comes from is an absolute and very bold and profound faith. A faith that believes that the very word of God is that which will bring and restore life to all. Therefore, who would argue? I bend myself to your perfection, your holiness. Your will, Lord, is perfect for the salvation of man. And trust that whatever his words are will come to be. She avails herself to these things. And I tell you that in her doing so, I want you to see very clearly that what you see is absolutely wonderful love for God. And at the same time, like we talked about this past Sunday, perfect love for man. See the love for God and the offering of herself back to God. See the love of mankind so that salvation will come through her. You see perfect love for God, perfect love for man in one singular human person in that moment. Is it not the same posture if I drew you to another person of Holy Scripture of the prophet Isaiah? And the prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah in chapter 6, he gets that grand vision of the beautiful, perfect temple, eternal temple of God in the heavens. And he sees the train of the robe of God filling the temple. And when he sees this perfect holiness and perfect picture, he sees himself rightly as imperfect. All of his humanity comes to the surface and he offers it to God crying out for mercy. Lord, I'm a man of unclean lips. And God goes right to the heart of his humanity and has the angel take the coal from the altar of heaven and touch those very lips going right to his fault and healing him and restoring him, granting him forgiveness out of great mercy. And something happens in Isaiah because then God says, who will go for me? Who will be my mouthpiece? And what's Isaiah's posture? It's the exact same of the Blessed Virgin Mary. What does Isaiah say? Here I am. What's he saying? Behold your servant. I offer myself to you in response. This is my loving response to the love and mercy that I just received. I offer myself to you. Let it be according to your word. My friends, I tell you that the Blessed Virgin's posture must become our own because it's the posture of a true disciple that has become the recipient of the love and mercy of God. We who have received mercy, we who are now filled with divine grace, just as you heard the angel announce to Mary, we who are filled with divine grace, we have been graced that we may respond to God and say, Look upon me, your servant. Look upon me, your handmaid. And let my entire life be unto you according to your word. And what's the result? In the Annunciation, what is the result of the posture of Mary saying, Let it be to me according to your word. Here I am. Behold your handmaid. Two things. First, she becomes the first of all of us, the first of all of us, to be so completely filled with God as Christ our God would come and fill her human person and dwell within her.
And secondly, this. Christ not only came in her and for her, but through her, salvation himself would be offered to the world. That's the result, my friends, of the heart posture of the Christian who abandons themselves and takes on the posture of the Blessed Mother of God, responding with love to the love that we have received and saying, here I am, my life is no longer mine. I forfeit the right of my will that I might embrace the fullness of that which is perfect, your perfect and holy will, every moment, all the days of my life. And those, I promise you this, every last one of us who takes on this heart posture, the selflessness that breaks our own bondage to self, the selflessness, the humility, the bold faith believing that anything God says and directs is out of perfect love for creation and all of mankind. And the trust that because of that, His will will be done in and through our lives. Those who take on that posture will experience the kingdom of God to the fullness in their own life. And they will see the kingdom of God come through them as salvation moves through them. And brings others into that precious experience of the love and mercy of God. May it be. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.